gone through life telling myself that I just have a bad memory. We could turn this into a little master class. Go ahead. So the three keys to a better memory are... I've been thinking a lot about this in, um, in the book that I've been writing coming out soon called The Diary of a CEO, 33 Laws um, for Business and Life. And in chapter one, which is law one of the book, I was playing around with this idea of knowledge and skills and all of these things and the relationship they have between them. And really it was trying to find advice for young people that want to get to a point where they have reputation and a big network and lots of resources, right? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out the order. So I almost visualized it like five buckets. And the first bucket I wrote down is knowledge. That's the first one, right? And these are sequential buckets. So they go from, you know, this is bucket one. And then once you fill that bucket, when you apply knowledge, it turns into a skill. Mm. And then once you have knowledge and applied knowledge, which I call skill, then you'll get these other things. Then you'll get resources, you'll get a network and you'll get a reputation. But it's those first two buckets. You can't have skills without knowledge, really. And knowledge is certainly the first one, but just having knowledge alone without that applied skill, without yeah. that applied knowledge, which we call a skill, you will, you'll never get the reputation, the resources and the network. And the only two buckets that no one ever can take from you, the only two buckets that anyone can never unfill is knowledge the knowledge bucket and also the skill bucket. Yeah. People can take away your reputation, they can take away your resources, they can take you away your network, but they can never unfill these two buckets. And these yeah. two buckets are the first two buckets which go on to fill the other three. Um, and that's why I think more recently in my life, I've, I've become obsessed with learning. Am I a great learner? No, I don't think I am. Because I sit here, you know, I sit here with the greatest minds in the world and I remember very little of it. And it's funny, as you were saying, I was like, I, I've been thinking this over the last couple of weeks. I've never really shared this with anybody. But I thought, gosh, you're in such a privileged position to get to meet all these incredible people. I should be like a human encyclopedia of information and wisdom. And I don't think I, I, don't think I am. You know, I meet people that are. I sit mm -hmm. here with them. I think you're one of them. I go, this guy knows everything and he's remembered everything and he knows the names of studies and he can recall names. I can barely recall names of people. So I'm like, where? Where do I start? Because look, I'm in a privileged position meeting all these wonderful people and yeah. our listeners are too. If anyone's, you know, loyal to this podcast, you're like me. I actually wrote something down as you're speaking. I was thinking what we need to do here at the Diary of a CEO after the episode ends is we need to set the audience some homework. Yeah. And what I mean by that is say, okay, Jim said these three core ideas. After the episode, I want you to go and implement them and then I want you to like tag me on social media of you implementing them, the action after the episode and share it with me. And that's what I think we should all do because then not only are we gonna listen, yeah. we're gonna learn. And those are two very different things. Yeah, and I feel also when we teach something, we get to learn it twice. Meaning you share that with your friends, your family, your followers, your fans. It's, it takes advantage of something called the explanation effect. The explanation effect says that when you learn something with the intention of explaining it to somebody else, you're going to learn it much better. And that's kind of obvious, right? Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if we talked about speed reading or the best brain foods or changing your habits, optimizing your sleep, the kind of things that, that we specialize in, and somebody listening had to give a TEDx talk about it the following week, would they focus better? 100%. They would have a better concentration. Would they take more notes? Would they ask more, post more questions online? Right, they they would own that information, 
Um, and so I think that learning with the intention of teaching helps you to be able to certainly learn it better. I mean, that that's even how you could even use, uh, you could explain it to somebody. I mean, the whole Richard Feynman method was, you know, take this difficult subject, neuroscience, quantum fit, whatever it happens to be, like social media marketing, AI, and explain it to me as if I am a six-year-old, you know, right? And that can, you know, and I can open up a whole thing with with, with this conversation in terms of artificial intelligence, you know, and, and creatives. But I, I really feel like all these tools are there to augment. I don't even think it's artificial intelligence. For me, it's obviously machine learning, but it's it's augmented intelligence. And I'm thinking like, how do I use this tool, like I would use a book or a computer or the internet or whatever, to AI to enhance HI, like human intelligence? I'm very interested in that. People, I think, mean you know the Fryman technique well, but I when I st- came across it, it really was a game changer for me because yeah. it explained why I'm some I have good comprehension on certain subject matter, and then I'm quite loose on others. Um, could you explain it in a simple way? I know you have a you, you speak to yeah, it in a version yeah. of it in the book, but for anybody that is, isn't aware of that technique, so the idea here is any anyone can make things more complex. But I, the the idea is when you really understand something, you could simplify it in a way that makes it usable for the end, end result, right? And, and and not only the end result, but the process of learning it. So meaning, I, I love reading the neuroscience papers and having deep conversations. And I think where, where if we've had any level of success is translating that in a way to people where it's conversational, where they see the relevance in their daily lives, in the application, and, uh, and, and it's results oriented. And how does that impact our ability to, to learn the subject, this Fryman technique? Because stage one is of the Fryman technique, from what I remember is you learn something. Mm-hmm. And then stage two is, I believe you simplify it and then you share it. And then if you can't share it to the six-year-old, you go back to learning it. Right. And that, that, that's a great synapsis of, of it. And I would say that, so how, how it builds. So every single time you have a new, there's a Oliver Wendell Holmes quote that says, a person's mind once stretched by a new idea never regains its original dimensions. And so when we have, so neuroplasticity happens when we experience novelty. So we learn a new idea or something happens in our environment. It's neuroplasticity allows learning it allows adaptation. It even allows recovery from traumatic brain injury, right? It like uh, I had these deficiencies, if we call them that, and I was able to compensate by creating workarounds, like somebody would do in in some kind of program, you know. And then you start building paths. Another way of neuroplasticity. It's kind of like if I walked through a field and there are lots of bushes, you know, I walked through it once. And I didn't you know, not much changes, but if you take that path and you reinforce it through repetition or space repetition, interval training, then all of a sudden it becomes more of a path and eventually it becomes a road and it becomes a highway. And we've made that connection. So I, I like I like pulling on things that are natural as, as metaphors, but we learn through metaphors because all of learning is taking something you don't know and connecting it to something you do know. People say learning is repetition though. They just say, do just say it loads. Mm. Does that work? It, it, it does. But when we're looking at methodology, repetition, the problem with repetition, and certainly it leads, it gets a result. It's rote learning. It's like when the, 
when the churches started universities and how people would teach would be the teacher or professor would say a fact and to the class and the class would repeat it. And then the teacher would say it again and the class would repeat it. And so I'm making on video, if you're watching this, a circular motion, like rote, like rotary, like a rotary club, their symbol is a wheel. The first half of the wheel is the teacher saying the fact. The second half of the wheel is the class repeating the fact. And you do that 50 times and then you build that pathway and you have quote unquote learning. The problem with that is it takes so much time. And now we live in an age where the amount of information, it's like doubling at dizzying speed, right? There's more information today in a newspaper than somebody in the 17th century ever came across in their whole life, right? I mean, you think about also blogs and social media and podcasts, it's just like, it's, it's overwhelming. So we can't be learning the same ways. Okay, so I've got a book coming out, as I said, mm -hmm. and there's 33 laws. And I've been saying to myself, listen, you're gonna at some point start really promoting this book. Um, so you need to memorize all 33 laws. Yeah. Like, I, I actually don't need to, Dude. I mean, so I need to, mm -hmm. fucking hell, what am I doing with my life? 30, these 33 laws, um, I need to remember basically what the law is and then yeah. the gist of it. Yeah. How would you help yeah. me do that? I could do that in a heartbeat. Okay, All right, so let's, 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 let's turn this into coaching. And we, we, could, we could use um, just content that everyone could, could relate to because I don't know how much you, of the laws you want to share or how much you have on, I don't mind sharing on them tap. Um, okay, the so the method the I'm going to share with you, I call it PIE, P-I-E. That three ingredients for a better memory, P stands for place. We remember things based on where we put it. Like you put your keys in a certain spot each time you're, you're always gonna find it because it's organized, mm -hmm. right? You forget someone's name, you ask yourself, where do I know the person? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the context gives you the content. So that's a place is a place to store the information. The I is imagine. We remember things better that we could see and imagine. Mm -hmm. Meaning, um, I bet as difficult as names are to remember, you remember faces. Yeah. So really many well. people remember faces because you're more of your visual, more of your brain is dedicated towards your visual cortex. It takes up more real estate. So we tend to remember things we see better than what we hear. Mm -hmm. um, so you see the face and you go to someone, I, you know, I, I, rem I remember your face, but I forgot your That's name. That's me every day of my you life. You never go to somebody say the opposite. You never go say, I remember your name, but I forgot your face. I roll up to people and say, hi, nice to see you. And then I realized I didn't remember their name. We're willing to help you with that. Okay, so here, here we go. So the I is imagine. We tend to remember what we see. There's a proverb that says, what you hear, you forget. What you see, you remember. What you do, you understand. What you hear, you forget. You heard the name, you forgot it. Yep. What you see, you remember, you saw the face, you remember the face. So what you could see, and we think in pictures. When you, like when you get on an airplane, it doesn't say, no longer does it say, no smoking, fasten your seatbelts. There's just pictures. And we think in pictures. A picture is worth a thousand words. Mm -hmm. So you want to imagine those pictures. And the E in pi, entwine. Entwine is where you're connecting. Entwine means to associate or to connect. And what are you connecting? The P and the I, the place in the image. So let me give you an example. Five buckets. What? Law number one, right? Yeah, yeah. The five buckets, and we could do the we could do the five buckets also. Um, I was I was going to teach people do that. quickly ten things that they could do to upgrade their brain. Let's do your ten things. But, um, but certainly we could apply this towards buckets too. Um, all right. So there are so our, our, we're blessed that the the book was heavily endorsed by like the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health, the founding director there, one of the top uh, Alzheimer's research out of Harvard, Dr. Rudy Tanzi. And when I speak at these organizations, we know that about one third of your brain performance, your memory is predetermined by genetics. Two thirds is in your control. 
Um, they say the metaphor is that, for example, Alzheimer's, and this is like we donated a lot of the proceeds to Alzheimer's research for, for our book, is in memory of my grandmother. They say that um, your genetics will load the gun, but your lifestyle will fire it. Right, kind of, kind of makes sense, and it's not like all metaphors; they're not absolute, they're not absolutes. But this is an idea to connect something you don't know to something you you know. So going to this, um, two thirds. I'm going to give everybody right now the ten keys, um, as you know it in the book. But I'm going to show you how to memorize them. But what I liked it to do, whether or not people memorize them or not, and I find that people will be able to do it pretty easily and effortlessly, is at least rate yourself zero to 10. How much energy and effort and attention are you putting towards this area? Because everyone wants to know the one thing they could do for an incredible memory. There's just not, there's not a magic pill, but there is a process, right? So we'll go through them fast. Number one, good brain diet. So everyone on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the best, how much energy, attention, time are you putting towards a good brain diet? So there's certain foods that are very neuroprotective. And I would also say, I'm not a doctor or nutritionist. Everyone's bio-individual. So do allergy testing, do functional medicine testing in terms of a microbiome test, a nutrient profile, food sensitivity. So everyone's a little different. In general, some of my favorite brain foods, avocados, the monounsaturated fat is good for the brain. Mm -hmm. Blueberries, I like to call them brain berries, very neuroprotective. Uh, broccoli good for your brain. Olive oil, good for the brain. Um, if your diet allows eggs, the choline in eggs is good for your cognitive health. Green leafy vegetables, like kale and spinach. And now again, some people are allergic to kale, so that wouldn't be for you. Uh, another one, uh, I would say uh, wild sardines or uh, like wild, wild salmon or sardines. Like your brain is mostly fat, so mm -hmm. those fish oils. Uh, Turmeric, is, is a great uh, brain food, meaning it helps to lower inflammation. You could use that while you're cooking. Walnuts. Everybody's just waiting for you to say chocolate here, Yeah, Jim. there you go. Walnuts and dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, not, not milk chocolate. So those are some of the brain foods. So zero to 10. On the other side, that's not so good, processed you know, thing, uh, foods, uh, high sugar. What does it do to the brain? So sugar is, is highly addictive, right? You've had guests on here probably talking about how it's more addictive than a lot of drugs, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's certain things that are not good for the brain. And I, I know, again, people like we've had on our podcast or we've interviewed for the book, like people like Dr. Um, Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Daniel Amen, you know, sugar, alcohol, marijuana, certain things are just, certain things like alcohol could, some people say they use it to help them sleep, but there's a difference between getting knocked out and actually getting good deep sleep, getting mm -hmm. good REM sleep. Uh, sleep is a, is a personal focus of mine, but sugar is highly addictive, not good. A lot of people are also hyper, you know, the ADHD, the, the hyper behavior. A lot of times you could eliminate sugar, but in the U.S. schools, it's tough. You know, they, we've been having vending machines there with all the pop and the, the sodas and the, you know, just, yeah. But to get through the list, zero to 10, how good's your diet? Number two, and I'll go through these fast, killing ants. Uh, ants, uh, killing ants is actually clinically proven to be good for your brain. Ants, I get this from Dr. Daniel Amen, automatic negative thoughts. Remember we talked about the, the power of your thoughts and just keeping it, in, even if you say I don't have a great memory, just add a little word like yet at the end. It just changes, you know, the potentiality of, of that statement. Um, so in zero to 10, how encouraging, uh, optimistic um, are, your, are your thoughts and your beliefs? Number three, in no specific order again, is exercise. 
Okay. There's so much research talking about the power of movement and the brain. When you move, by the way, studies show that when you listen to your podcast, when people are listening to this podcast and they happen to be doing something rhythmic, going for a nice walk with the dogs or on an elliptical, they'll actually understand the information and retain it better. When your body moves, your brain grooves. Just remember that. When your body moves, your brain grooves. When you move your body, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for the brain. It's like uh, fertilizer promoting neuroplasticity. Number four, brain nutrients. And this is, I always prefer people get it from whole, you know, their own foods. Um, but, you know, I, again, you could get so much data nowadays, you could do a nutrient profile because if you're lacking, if your vitamin D levels are low, um, you're not going to perform, your brain's not going to perform at, at its best. You know, if you're not getting your omega-3s, your brain is mostly, you know, made out of fat, your DHAs, your vitamin C, your vitamin Bs. Everyone comes vitamins. here and talks to me about Bloody vitamin D and omega-3. Yeah. Everybody says the same two things. Supplements work for that, right? Do supplements work for vitamin D? Quality, quality supplements. Yeah. You know, I, I would, again, prefer people get it from sunlight and prefer people get it from natural sources, like okay. eating fish or whatever. Damn, I don't go out in the sunlight enough. I need to fix that. Yeah. You, you've had guests talking about the power of sunlight first thing in the morning to mm -hmm. reset their circadian rhythm to help them sleep. You know, for, for me in the morning, I try to do, I try to get the elements in my life. So I think about thousands of years ago, they thought the four elements made up of, made everything up that you see. So it's like, you know, in Babylonian times, in Greek times, you know, the four elements of air, water, fire, and earth. And so like, I don't know, I take this approach in the morning, where you don't have to biohack everything, you can do it for free. Go out there, outside, you know, get some earth, get, get your feet on the ground, right? Really simple to do. Um, to feel more grounded and more connected. And there's also, I think, an energetic, and people talk about pulse electromagnetic fields and everything, but I don't know. I feel more grounded when I just walk in the grass. Um, simple thing people could do. And then I'm thinking about air. I could do my, my, my deep breathing, or some people do fire breathing, alpha breathing, Wim Hof breathing, uh, first thing in the morning, clear the cobwebs of the night, and then some water. Drink some water or take your cold shower. You get to integrate it, however, whatever your morning routine is. And then fire is the, is the sunlight for me, you know, first first thing in the morning. But I just find that any of the biohacking stuff and people follow me on Instagram, well, you know, I have my toys and everything else. They're just to mimic nature, you know, a lot of the times, you know, the, the red lights and the, 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 the cold plunges and all, all that, all that stuff. Nature. Point number five is a clean environment. Yeah. So after brain nutrients, zero to 10, um, rating yourself five is a clean environment. And I, this is for everything and including the quality of the air that you're breathing. Some, you know, like I had somebody on our podcast talking about the, the neurotoxins in brand new carpets or furniture, you know, in terms of the, what they're sprayed with um, and the off gassing that comes from it and how it could have a toxic effect, you know, on, on, on your brain. You wrote um, air pollution is a massive and underrated health risk. They um, they cause up to 30% of all strokes. Life expectancy is appreciably lower in cities than in the countryside, even accounting for differences in wealth and lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, we, so we sorted through a, a number of research, you know, talking about air pollution, uh, water pollution also as well, um, you know, in terms of the uh, certain residues that happens to be in, in, whether it's in tap water or what have you, or some people are concerned about plastics. Uh, that come from bottles um, also as well. And other people are concerned about, we've had a couple of episodes uh, talk about EMFs, you know, just the... How does that impact my brain though? 
I, I don't think we know. You know, all I know is that the brain hasn't changed a lot in the past hundred thousand years, but technology certainly has. And you know, and we we talk about you know these these videos that we make about morning routine and evening routines and millions of views, just simple things like don't touch your phone the first thirty minutes of the day or the last thirty minutes of the day. Something so simple. And, and then seven's brain protection. Brain protection. So clean environment, even just cleaning your desktop, you know, your external world's a reflection of your internal world or making your bed just helps you get uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, number, number, sorry, that was number six. Yeah. N- number seven is, is sleep. So very concerning with sleep and, and uh, brain performance. We know when you don't sleep, how's your thinking the next day? You know, how's your ability to solve problems? How's your ability to focus, remember things when you sleep, if you have long-term memory issues, get a sleep study done. That's where you consolidate short to long-term memory is, is during sleep. When you sleep, the sewage system in your brain kicks in because um, there's you know energy to do so also as well. And your brain doesn't, it's not, doesn't stop at night. If anything, it's, it's sometimes in ways more active. It's consolidating short to long-term memory. It's cleaning out beta amyloid plaque that can lead to brain aging challenges. Um, often a lot of the studies show that with a lot of disease, there's a kind of a sleep deficiency component also as well. Um, sometimes I'll wear a device to monitor it because it's not that people ask the quantity of sleep, what's the perfect amount, seven, eight, nine hours. It's absolutely not the quantity, it's the quality of yeah. your deep sleep and your REM sleep. Your deep sleep, you can imagine, is where you're recovering your body. Your REM sleep is where you're restoring your your mind. So seven, seven is sleep, zero to 10, you know, how much focus, energy, attention are you putting towards it? We've done stress management, which is, we talked about how stress impacts the brain. Yeah. Um, we talked about sleep there. We've talked about uh, yeah. So the, so yeah, the last three really quickly are uh, protect your brain, yeah. wear a helmet, zero to, you know, your brain's very resilient, but it's very fragile. So I get to work with a lot of sports figures that have post concussions or TBIs, yeah. you know, and so we have protocols for, for that. And obviously see a doctor, uh, zero to 10, rate yourself. New learnings is big. We talked about the power of learning. Novelty. That's novelty. And for me, reading, reading is to your mind what exercises your body. I think it's the best people at you get all fancy apps and everything else. I think, look, someone who has decades of experience like yourself or your guests, and they put into a book and you can sit down and read that book in a few days, you could download decades into days. That's the biggest advantage, right? And reading is incredible exercise for your mind, especially the way we we teach it. And then finally, stress management, which you mentioned, you know, zero to 10, how well are you mitigating stress and coping with stress? What mechanisms and tools or rituals or practices do you have? You know, my, my go-to is meditation. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. 
you are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one of a kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.